Howdy, and welcome to your dog's best life. Uh, sorry about our little hiatus in February. Things got a little out of control. So I'm going to go back a little bit, talk about what happened in February, and then we'll move forward and pretend that we didn't skip an entire month. So <laughs> the end of January was fantastic. We had our first ASCA trial uh, herding, which is Australian Shepherd Club of America. We did it at a new location here in Arizona called Arizona Working Aussies owned by Dan and Diane Sanderson. And oh my God, what an incredible facility, amazing livestock. It was the best venue I've ever been to in Arizona. In Arizona, we don't have a ton of sheep. And so the folks who do herding here have sheep that are pretty much dogged to death. What that means is that they are essentially Labrador retrievers and they follow the person around no matter what the dog is doing. <laughs> Regardless, the dog could be standing in the middle of the arena uh, eating poop or rolling in it and the sheep will just blindly follow the handler around and kind of do the course. They've memorized the courses, they're all course broke. Um, it's really crap herding and it's not a lot of fun to do and in AKC especially they have pretty much one course that they run over and over and over again so these sheep can do these courses in their sleep. So for Arizona herding it's it's kind of it's kind of grim but this place was amazing. Not only was it an incredibly beautiful place with actual green growing grass, which you have no idea what that's like in Arizona. It's the rarest of rarest gems. The stock were barely broke. I mean, they understood how to move away from, well, I can't speak for the cattle. <laughs> well, the ducks were kind of crazy too, but the sheep at least knew how to move away from the dogs, but they were very independent. They had their own, uh, their own ideas and they were more than willing to express their ideas in violation of what the dogs wanted or in contest with the dogs. The ducks were fun. I've never handled ducks before and oh my god what a blast. So with Cody, my older border collie, I decided for the first time ever to enter her in ducks. I don't even own ducks. Well I own a duck so it's not really tremendous herding. I've done work with my geese but geese are somewhat different than ducks, especially my geese. My geese are pretty amenable to herding. I mean, they still flap and act kind of spazzy, but these ducks were crazy. They were so hard. The first day it was like they were, I don't know how many were there were. It felt like 20, but I think it was more like six in the little flock that we were moving around. They were like pinballs. They were all over the place. I was just trying to get out of their way. Cody was struggling to keep them under control. It was really hard, which is what herding should be. <laughs> it's... It should be a test of your dog's ability to gather and move stock, not your dog's ability to nap while stock follow people around. So I, I spent the first two days actually trying to understand how to handle ducks. Cody knows her job. And when it comes to different livestock, it's much more important that I learn my job. And my job, it turned out with ducks, was to get the hell out of the way. Um, I put a lot of pressure on the ducks. The ducks were more afraid of me than they were of Cody. And therefore, I just had to get out of the way and help Cody maneuver the ducks around. So after the first day, we, we were much better at handling them and we were able to get around the course with a little less drama. Uh, the last day it was three days of trialing, six trials in total. So we did six runs with Cody and the ducks. Uh, the last day, I actually woke up at four in the morning thinking about an element in this particular course, because every day the courses change. That's the awesome, another amazing thing and awesome thing about the ASCA trials is the courses are always different. And I mean, they have, they have set courses, but they weren't, it's not doing the same course over and over and over again. They were, I think they have five or six to choose from. 
So anyway, the last day was a different course. I saw them setting it up the day before. It had an element in it that I really thought would be a struggle for the ducks, as well as myself and Cody. I woke up at four in the morning trying to think of how I was going to move these ducks through this particular element. And you know how it is, you're trying to get to sleep and you just can't. And I was solving it in my head. And so that morning I, I went in first. I was the first person in the ring for the day. And the reason there's no video is Emily Magnuson. So she's been on this podcast before. She was supposed to do a video and suddenly I was out of order. They thought I was going to run third, but there were no two, there, the two other dogs weren't ready. So I went in first. She wasn't prepared for the camera. So the reason this is not recorded and there's no cool video of this is Emily's fault. So those of you who know her, make sure to comment and tell her that she's at fault for this. So I went into the ring. Uh, the very first thing to do is pull the ducks off the back of the fence. Normally you'd be pulling them out of what we call a catch pen where the ducks would be in a small pen and the dog would go in and gather them out of, out of the small pen. However, because these ducks were so wild and the pen hadn't really been set up for their safety, uh, it's, a new, it's a new facility and they're still working out some bugs. Because of this, they deemed it not safe for the ducks to pull them out of this catch pen. So in the interest of safety, which is always the interest that we should always, always go towards, uh, we were, the ducks were being put into the ring by set out persons. So the ducks were already in the ring hugging the back wall and they were very good at hugging that back wall. Many dogs had trouble getting them off the back wall. Cody actually was pretty good at it. She got them off the back wall and I start walking backwards trying to go to this first element when I trip <laughs> and fall as of her tea kettle over the first element. Phone goes flying, I fall on my ass, I'm laughing my butt off. Cody takes her ducks for a little stroll around the arena without me. Get up, look at the, make sure I haven't broken their panels apart because that was the first element was the thing I just tripped over. Uh, and, you know, kind of joked with the judge that I think I'd start over again. And she was very kind and laughing. And so anyway, we, we put it together. I thought that was a winning run. I, I felt that this one was finally a really nice run in spite of my fall at the beginning. Uh, we got second. It was a hard one second. I felt like it was, we were close. The last run didn't feel quite as good as the, the second to last run, but that was the one where we finally got through and got a first. Uh, we spent the entire weekend in second place. And I know that sounds like sour apples, but man, it hurts to get second every time. It's like, man, especially with such a good dog. I mean, Cody did such a lovely job. I understand the first two days, I don't even know how he was in the ribbons, but everybody else was having trouble too. So, but after that, I'm like, oh, we put it together. But anyway, we got first at the very last one. Cody was spectacular as always. Uh, she is such an incredible dog. And uh, it was really, really, really enjoyable. Fantastic stock. These ducks were really a trial to learn how to handle and work. And they was really educational, just learning, learning how to move these animals around uh, without interfering and getting in the way of the dog, which is what I find is mostly my issues. I'm usually the one who makes kind of an ass of the dog. So it's, it's, it's my job is just to get out of her way and help her do her job. Then there's a different dog, then there's Tag. So Tag was uh, long listed for the trial on sheep. She didn't get in on the first two, two and a half or one and a half days. She only got to run three times. And Tag has issues with what we call eyeing up on the sheep. She has a lot of eye, which in border collies is that kind of creepy staring behavior that they do. And what that does is it's, it's pretty upsetting for stock. They don't like being stared at any more than we do. <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> and it, it can cause sheep to fight a little bit and get on, on the 
you know, kind of on the muscle and a little bit belligerent. And with, with Tag, what happens under those circumstances is she gets frustrated and upset and she blows into them and bites. And obviously if she grips a sheep, the run is over. So I was very concerned. We've been working a lot on her getting stuck out of pens because those tight, those little tight locations is where she really, really struggles with letting go of the sheep and allowing them to come out of the pen because when they come out of the pen, her fear is that I'm an idiot and they're gonna run away. So we've been working a lot on her just learning to go round stock in the in a small pen. They're not gonna go anywhere, just settle down. So I went in with her really trying, just my goal was to get her in and out of the pen without anything bad happening. I'd seen other dogs for the first two days struggling around the course. The sheep were tough. The dogs had to be in the right place. They made you do your job. And of course, and I was trying to memorize courses, making sure I didn't go in the wrong direction. So anyway, uh, she, the first time, if I remember correctly, she did a pretty admirable job getting them out of the pen. Oh no, she didn't. She, <laughs> I'm wrong. She eyed up and they immediately start, turned on her and started stomping at her and got kind of up in her face and she was really struggling with them and I had to send her around a couple times and ask her to get out of that and they were not leaving they were not having it they were like this dog's a bully and we're not going to work for this dog and I, I kind of had to go in and help her shoo them out which is never a good look and so we got them out and then they had learned just like the ducks they had learned to hug that back fence and that dogs would really struggle to get them off the back fence and that's exactly what they do they clung to that back fence they they stuck to it like glue. Uh, tag, again, one of her big struggles is that tight space. So when she'd come behind them between the stock and the fencing, she accelerates and flies in instead of just slowing down, relaxing, and, and just kind of letting things play out. Because she blows in so fast, she's got so much momentum that she blows past the point of balance. The sheep immediately flow, just like the ocean, they flow right back up against that fence, and she's got to turn around and do it all over again. And that builds up frustration, and in her case, frustration lend, tends to lend itself to biting. So she, she blew into them once, uh, went around them the second time. Third time she did grip, but no one saw. I thought she had. The judges might have thought so because they were behind me and to my right, but people in the who were watching to my left against the fence, they saw it and she did grip. But we were able to continue on because no one, the judges nor myself really saw it. So anyway, but, but they told me afterwards. They're like, yeah, she, she grabbed a sheep. I'm like, ah, she's a felon. So we got around the course pretty decently. It was a, it was a, pretty, it was a pretty decent run. I wasn't uh, super impressed, but I wasn't horrified either. It felt like it was a workable run. We got a second, again, that second place curse continued. Then the next run, she actually did really nicely. I was, she, she, uh, she didn't eye up on them coming out of the pen. She was relaxed. The whole run came together really nicely. It was very, very well done. Uh, I felt that this might've been our chance for first, but another dog just nicked us and, and we, we lost by several points and, and came in second again. And then the third run, uh, the wheels came off. As the sheep, you know, sheep are animals too, and they have opinions. And by the third day of trialing, they've been out, they've beaten dogs, they've learned the game, they're over the game. They are done trekking pointlessly around this arena over and over and over again. They were over it. And they get really belligerent, really kind of in the dog's faces. They stomp and make scenes. And, and it gets really tough on the dogs and the stock don't want to play. And so Tag went into the, 
into the catch pen, immediately eyes up. The sheep immediately start stamping at her. I was able without, I didn't have to go in this time. I was able to pull, get her to pull the stock out. But the second they came out, they stuck themselves that fence like Velcro. They weren't having it. She flew through once, but again, the momentum, they flowed right back into that fence as she blew past them instead of slowing down and stopping like I screamed for her to do. And we called her around again. Same thing the third time she gripped out. It was quite clear, quite apparent, and uh, we left very ignobly from the arena being thanked for our brief run and excused. So anyway, that was that was the first weekend or last weekend in, in January. I know, Tag, I hear you. Uh, the next the next weekend, I got the keys to my new building. Uh, my building uh, in Tucson is is was a nice size, but it was broken up very badly and had a lot of walls that were completely unnecessary, a lot of wasted space. And I, I've been trying to get out of it for about nine months and just the market here is insanely hot. And so trying, trying to find a new building has been really difficult. And I found one and it was one of those situations where it was kind of an accident. I, I, somebody called me and said, hey, I've got the building for you. I said, okay, let's see it. I went to see it. It was perfect, and, but it was out of the blue and I wasn't really kind of psychologically in the place of moving. And the guy says, look, I have two other people coming to look at it. You need to jump now or, or forget it. And I did, I just said, okay, what the hell, I'll take it. Well, that meant that all of February was spent moving. And you never, you know how it is. You never know how much junk you've accumulated until you have to move it. So we had to move all the stuff from the one building, and that included the flooring and the agility equipment, and that stuff's heavy. Uh, we still had to get our signs moved and everything out of the old building and move it to the new building. The good news is they were really close together. They're about four miles apart, so it's pretty convenient for moving, but you know, it still sucked my February out of my, out of my life. And then... And then, you know, I'm not just, I'm not just a business owner. I also own a farm. It's not much of a farm, but it's still a farm. And so that, you know, takes time. And I had a you uh, who's pregnant prolapse and uh, that was problematic. And I, I tried several times, you know, midnight, you know, you're lubing up and putting things back where they belong and creating harnesses and trying to truss everything back together and trying to hold her together until she lambed. And, and it just, it didn't work out. And we lost her, unfortunately. And then I had lambs. I had used lambing. So February just really, really got away from me. But we're ready to go. The building is moved. We're completely out of the old building, completely into the new building. Got no trials coming up. So we're ready to roll. So let's talk a little bit about actual dog training instead of just excuses for why I, I didn't do any talking for a month. But I do think, I think we can talk a little bit today about what happened at the herding trial because I think it's relevant to understand how punishment works sometimes. People, the word punishment can be very upsetting to people and so those of you who find that word very upsetting just stick with me uh, because it's not, we're not talking about baseball bats here, we're talking about very subtle methods of, of telling a dog that the behavior that they give you is not the behavior that you want. So in herding, we are very limited in our ability to utilize all four quadrants. We're very limited in our ability to use our plus, which is rewards only, because the sheep themselves are the reward. And the only way to control the reward is for me to step in and, and push the dog off, which is no longer in that quadrant. We are now moving on to you know taking away the thing that they want. So that leaves us with a limited vocabulary when it comes to herding, training, and dogs. And 
So in this situation where Tag is dealing with her frustration and anxiety about small spaces and lots of pressure being put on her by the sheep, she gets anxious, she gets upset, and she runs in and grips. We've been working on this for the whole time we've been working with Tag, and Tag is coming on for. And it's one of those things where I was kind of hoping that this was a little bit of a tincture of time sort of solution where maybe she would just kind of mature out of it with work. And it just, it just hasn't panned out like that. And, and we've had to find other ways to try to mitigate the issue because we cannot have, I just can't have her randomly blowing in and, and gripping sheep. It, it's, A, it's, it's hard on the stock, and B, it's not good for her. And C, it's hard on the pocketbook when every time I go into a ring, I have a 50-50 chance of her gripping and me being excused. So I, it just cannot continue. However, like I said, I'm not really comfortable with excessive punishment. I, it, I'm not a good punisher. I don't like it. I don't feel comfortable with it. It's not my primary way of, of speaking to dogs. And on top of that, I understand her mental state when she runs in and grips like this is caused by anxiety mostly and frustration. And me yelling at her, which has been the go-to, which has been me going, ah, 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 knock it off, bad dog, and me kind of chasing her or whatever, getting her out of that, it doesn't help with the anxiety. You know, she's, she's anxious and she's worried, and then mom, who she really, really wants to please, is suddenly charging at her and yelling at her. So we had to find a better solution. And in the interim, of course, every time she's doing the right, making the right choices, I'm helping her. Good girl, yes, I'm trying to set her up for success. I'm trying to ensure that we start slowly. We do everything incrementally. We do everything slowly. But we just haven't been able to crack this nut. It's, it's been one of those situations where myself and Sue and, and others, have we've all looked at this and we're, we've talked about it. And we just, it's been a situation where the methods that I think we were using were exacerbating the situation, making things worse, and she wasn't improving. Uh, the definition of punishment is it's something that we apply or remove from the dog that makes the behavior that we are punishing less likely to occur in the future. So if me growling her and chasing her was working, she'd be doing the behavior less than she had been doing it prior. Well, that wasn't the case. It was about the same amount. I wasn't seeing a significant drop in that behavior. So what we were doing wasn't working. On the other hand, reward or um, rewards-based training means that the behavior that you're seeing should have a higher likelihood of, of occurring in the future. So what I was rewarding was her acting correctly, doing the right, making the right choices. And that did seem to be more likely to happen, but those explosions still occurred. And the only way to ensure those, in my opinion, the only way to ensure those explosions didn't continue to occur was to find a punisher that was effective but didn't add more anxiety to the picture for her because I, I, if she was anxious, she would just, it would just exacerbate the problem. So a lot of training is actually laying around in bed at 2 a.m. thinking about the problems and how to solve them. And I lit upon the idea of simply picking her up and removing her from the situation. So what my decision was is when she bolts in, grips and grabs a sheep or makes a mess of things, I would simply lie her down, calmly approach her, say that'll do, pick her up, 
and remove her from the picture. So she would lose her sheep, but she wouldn't lose her sheep because I was placing pressure on her and I was chasing her out. I was simply picking her up neutrally and removing her from the sheep as neutrally as I can. Obviously, for many dogs, being picked up is aversive, and, and she's somewhat on that spectrum. She's not super keen on it, but she's not horrified by it either. And, and the goal was just show her this is something we didn't want to see, but not add anxiety to the situation. So I'd pull her out, uh, put her away, work another dog for, you know, 15 minutes, or just sit there with her if she was the only dog for five, 10 minutes. And then we'd just go right back to work like nothing happened. And I think that so far it appears to be working. It appears that now she's starting to see the picture that this is an unwanted behavior and I'm, and she can relax because the punishment coming from me is not going to be something that's going to be further upsetting for her. Yeah, I'll take her away from the stock, but nothing, quote unquote, bad, as far as she mentally believes, is going to occur. She doesn't, she's very sensitive to my, to my opinions. And so I, I just didn't want to add further stress because it seemed like that was making things worse. And I think that a lot of times we humans think we're adding an appropriate punisher into a situation because it makes sense to us. But what we're really doing is making things worse because the punisher isn't doing, it was not creating the effect that we expect it to do. So again, if we look at punishment, the scientific definition of punishment is if I apply this thing or remove this thing, the behavior is less likely to occur. If the behavior continues after you've applied this thing or removed this thing, then you're not punishing the dog. You might be adding an aversive, you might be making the dog very uncomfortable, you might, the dog may hate it, but it's not enough for whatever reason to make the behavior change. The definition of what is occurring is only known after, afterwards. Has the behavior changed? It's not, it's not in the moment. We don't get to define whether or not something has, quote unquote, punished the dog unless the behavior goes away. So one of the big ones I always see for this is frantic, over-the-top, crazy greetings in dogs for generally owners, but it could be anybody. And what you see is you see these dogs who are spun up, and every time the, the owner comes home, the dog jumps all over them and mangles them and jumps and mouths and is just frantic. And what happens is the owners get upset because it's embarrassing, they're getting clawed up, their good clothes are getting torn, you know, they don't want to be greeted like that, and I, I get it. So they get upset with the dog, and they start yelling at the dog, they're quote-unquote punishing the dog, maybe they knee the dog in the chest, maybe they do all these things. Maybe they were told by another trainer, teach the dog to sit, so they try a cookie, you know, maybe the dog should sit right here, the dog can't, and the dog's a, a flailing maniac, and we so now that doesn't work, and they're frustrated and they're upset. Well, what they probably don't understand is a lot of times these dogs, if they've been yelled at for this behavior, the behavior is no longer a pure excitement, yay, I'm happy to see you mental state. It is now a weird mixture of anxiety and excitement. Like, I don't know, speaking in front of strangers or maybe taking a driver's license test, okay? Where you're excited, you're happy. This is, this is a big, thing, but you're worried also. Getting married, that'd be another one probably. You know, you're very excited about it, but you're kind of anxious. Is this the right choice? Is everything going to go right? Is it going to rain like hell? So you've got these two emotional states. Adding a punisher 
into that emotional stew does not decelerate the situation. It accelerates. It's pouring fuel on the fire. And so as you continue to get upset with the dog yelling and knock it off and go lie down and get out of my face, the dog the anxiety builds and that particular type of dog is what we refer to as stressing up. And so the more you add, you add punishers, what you think are punishers to the situation, the more the dog's behavior worsens, not getting better. But you think you're punishing the dog. I mean, right? I mean, you're yelling at the dog, you're telling the dog knock the shit off, you're doing all these things that in your mind you think, well, I wouldn't like this, so therefore it must be punishing the dog. The dog should stop doing this behavior, but it's not. So that's when you back up and say, well, punishment in this situation, at least as you're doing it, is not effective. It's not working. It's not punishing the behavior away. It's making things worse, which means now definition, it is reinforcing the behavior. By yelling at the dog, you are increasing the likelihood of this behavior occurring in the future. That's reinforcement. That's why sometimes these things are hard for lay folks to understand is because it makes no sense. How would yelling at your dog be rewarding for the dog? And it's not, it's not something the dog seeks out. He doesn't wanna be yelled at. But by the definition as put down by Skinner all those years ago, if the behavior is more likely to occur in the future, that is reinforcement. So by yelling at the dog, you are increasing the behavior, you're rewarding the behavior. Now, so how do you fix that? I mean, you've got this stew of emotions, you've made a big mess, the dog is a maniac, you can't get a sit, because guess what? Here's the other thing about this. The dog doesn't give a shit about food right now. He's not greeting you at the door because he thinks you have a steak. He's greeting at your door because he wants attention from you. He's been sitting home all day waiting for you to come home. You're what he wants. He doesn't want a cookie, he wants you. So the first thing I'm going to say is put the cookies away. They're probably not going to work. That's not what he's seeking in that moment. He's seeking attention. So we need to find a way to teach the dog what we do want while extinguishing the behaviors we don't want, while rewarding the dog with the things that they want in a manner that produces the behavior that you want. So the first thing I'm always telling people is your leash is a fantastic tool. If somebody else is home and your dog is loose when you get home, put the dog on a leash. That removes all of the drama by the front door. All of it. Now the dog can be held far away. The dog can be, can be told to settle down or asked to settle down or ignored, which is even better because it doesn't add pressure. It doesn't add fuel to that fire. Simply ignoring the dog, not like overtly, just carrying on with your life until the dog settles. The second the dog starts to settle, then you can look at the dog. That's a reward. Talk to the dog. Good girl. From far away. So that he, she can handle it. So she can deal with the emotional tumult of you coming home. Use your leash. If the dog is loose in the house and you come home and you're assaulted like this, I'm going to tell you something. There's a crate. Use a crate. Keep the dog away from the front door. The front door becomes fraught for this very, mo this very reason. You, you have people knocking on the door and the dog goes berserk. You have doorbells ringing, the dog goes berserk. It's because you've created this area of your house that is filled with conflict and, and stress for these dogs. They're excited or, or if they're fearful of new strangers, they're afraid. There's all this emotion going on in that little tiny space. And so the best thing we can do is remove the dog from the space move out of that emotional stew that we've created and greet the dog elsewhere. 
take apart the pieces that make the picture that the dog is finding so overwhelming that it can't cope. Put a leash on the dog, pull the dog away, decelerate the situation and start from there. That helps because it's, it helps create a different mental state for the dog. If we stop yelling at the dog, then you remove anxiety from that picture. And now you've just got excitement again. And excitement is easier to solve. We know what the dog wants. The dog wants our attention. And so by giving the dog the attention when the behaviors that we want her present, we are able to slowly and incrementally improve the picture at the doorway. So I think the, the takeaway for this whole thing is be aware of how your behavior affects your dog. Don't define what you're doing by whether or not you're giving a treat or whether or not you're petting the dog or whether or not you're yelling at the dog or any of those things. Is the behavior changing? That's the definition of what you're doing. Nothing else. If you give the dog a treat but it's not hungry, that's not rewarding. Sorry, you're not reinforcing the behavior at all. The behavior is not being reinforced, it's not being rewarded, it's not getting better. So anyway, that's all I really think I have to say today. It's just a brief welcome back after my crazy month of February. We're going to try to get back on track. I have some things coming up that I want to talk about. I'm hoping to get some guests back on and uh, we'll see you all later. Happy training and happy trails.